Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yellow Card, and welcome to Match Week Seesaw, where everything you thought you thought wrong, and basically everything happened upside down. Hi, Dipen. How are you? And what did you think of these past week's matches? Oh man, what an absolutely bonkers weekend we had! The last two games, in particular, completely, totally inexplicable. I mean. in what universe does liverpool lose 7-2 to aston villa right from the start lot of surprising results west ham winning against leicester 3-0 manchester united going down 1-6 at home to tottenham but we'll start with your favorite i'm sure you're in a world of pain right now as i said earlier in what universe does liverpool lose to aston villa 7-2 definitely a universe which i'm not part of it hurts it hurts and how this is something that um i can't comprehend i cannot begin to explain the first goal was a mistake by adrian but what after that i mean that's uh, while we can point fingers at adrian for uh, the first goal uh, who gave the other six away we played really really poorly i think or uh, never looked like getting into the game ollie watkins and Jack Grealish played some superb football along with the rest of the Aston Villa team. In my opinion, if you're talking from an unbiased standpoint, honestly, Villa de- deserved the win. There was no two ways about it. Liverpool played poorly, and uh, there was basically I d- I don't have anything else to say because it just hurts. Yeah, I think everything that could go wrong went wrong for Liverpool there. Villa had their luck. The there were mistakes uh, from the goalkeeper. a couple of shots got deflected into the net and everything that could happen wrong for liverpool happened and everything that could happen right for aston villa happened i mentioned last weekend how about how it was funny to see them on number 4 in the table well now they're number 2 <laughs> a pretty uh, pretty pretty uh, strange uh, table early on Well, at this moment, the pain honestly, they're number two, but deservedly so because uh, if you look at their lineup, it's a reasonably strong lineup. Now they've brought in Martinez in goal, who looks as confident as ever, and actually described this as a step up from Arsenal because here he's the number one. You've got Grealish, McGinn has come back after a long injury and is looking good. You've got Ross Barkley on loan from Chelsea. Ollie Watkins really looks the part, and and uh, it, it was great to see a championship player step up and score a hat trick. And I think it was a first half hat trick, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, Villa honestly look value for for money. They look good. So uh, let's not take anything away from Villa over here because while Liverpool were awful to say the least, Villa were that good. Yeah, absolutely. They were fantastic in that match, and they they've been doing well so far in the season. Can't say the same about Manchester United, can we? Well, um, the story unfortunately continues to be same old, same old for Ole. I don't understand why they're trying to increase or recruit people on the front half of the pitch when their centre backs really don't know where they are. Lindelof was rested this time around, um, but uh, Bai and uh, really their captain Maguire really looked at sea, and I think there was an error from Maguire again. So. it just goes back to the same thing you're looking for strikers or wingers when you haven't even sorted out your your center back partnership so much the same a humiliating defeat that too at the hands of mourinho i don't think mourinho and spurs could have asked for a better outcome um yeah so that's yeah. that and 
I mean, the difference between Liverpool and the Manchester United losses is that you cannot really find structural faults in Liverpool's game. I mean, they've been doing well, they've been champions, and you can just write it off as a one-off bad day, bad experience. But with Manchester United, the story of that football or everything around that is still the same, and it is problematic. And the way they collapsed in that first few minutes after they got the early lead, they got the penalty in the second, I mean, the first minute itself, they went into the lead. And after that, a mistake from Maguire, mistake from Bai. And you just, I mean, I don't know what even Maguire was trying to do out there. He was pulling his own player back while Shaw was trying to clear the ball. So it was quite inexplicable. But on the Tottenham side, Kane and Son partnership seems to be blooming. They're doing so well now, both of them together. Absolutely. And if you look at the manner of some of their goals, Kane is very happy to be the man assisting Son in this particular period. And also his presence of mind because he took a, he took a quick free kick for one of those goals. He also, once the red card was given, actually intercepted a ball quickly and uh, uh, made sure that uh, Spurs made the most of it. So Kane... Leading from the front, so to speak, because uh, really, really looking good. And I agree that partnership looks uh, really promising for Spurs. Add to that bail and I'm going crazy in my head because they've got a dangerous front three. And Mourinho looks to be able to actually do something that's, uh, th- that Spurs have wanted all along. And it was fun to see Jose Mourinho side press up the field so much. He continued attacking even after taking a comprehensive lead. So, um, I, I dare say Mourinho is coming up with some new tactics and uh, uh, the front three, once Bale is in, will look dangerous, uh, the pain. So, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens now. Yeah, I was I was actually just going to mention that uh, it was ra- it's rare to see such an attacking or such a heavy scoring Mourinho side. But maybe the time off has done some good to him as well. Uh, let's move on to the third heavy defeat of our heavyweights. Leicester going down to West Ham. What happened from 5-2 against Man City to this result? What is happening there? I think the secret is that David Moyes is conducting his business from home. Unfortunately, because he tested positive. While I understand that the team sheet, he still controls the team sheet and he still probably gives instructions from home. Maybe at halftime and before the matches. He's watching from home and that's meant to... Uh, change in fortune for West Ham, who I think won their previous match 4-0, if I'm not mistaken. And again, good value for money because they dominated from the start. And you could see that things are coming together. Antonio looks really good at the front of the pitch. The way they actually scored their first goal was really, really good. Pablo Fornells also looking the part over here. So again, a lot of positives for West Ham and uh, for, for their coaching structure and management. So it 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 really looks good. Yeah, West Ham continue to hammer in. I think they've had two back-to-back good matches now. And yeah, scoring lots of goals, keeping clean sheets. So yeah, overall looking looking quite good for them. For lack of a better word, it's quite inexplicable again that Leicester do so well one weekend and then flounder so badly another weekend. But let's move on to the heavyweight that finally is starting to pull some of its weight. Chelsea scoring well, keeping a clean sheet and overcoming Crystal Palace 4-0. 
Well, it's still early days. Pulisic was on the bench and he came off. I don't think Zayic has started yet. Chilwell started and actually scored. Mendy's there. Hello, there's your clean sheet. Kepa, go home. So, uh, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Palace bothered Mendy a lot, but he did make uh, one or two good saves um, that come to my mind that, that were actually pretty, you know, decent. And it's a good story from, me- from, from Mendy, who I think five years ago was actually without, without a aside and uh, uh, you know two years ago i think he made made his way up to uh, league 1 in the french uh, uh, the french first division and now he's playing for chelsea so quite a quite a story over there they look uh, like they're going to only get stronger because i think finally for the first time i saw them play a, a back four that looks like a back four their captain has a pickita uh, apologies for the pronunciation. Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma are my probably favoured centre-back pairing for the Chelsea side and uh, Chilwell. And the only other thing that only other change that I would make is actually take out their captain and put in Rhys James, who looks looks like a really really good uh, young and upcoming player. So they they are going to slowly start looking the part as and when they actually start functioning as a team. Because remember, there are a lot of new players that need to gel well. And uh, Pulisic is going to come back stronger, hopefully, and, and start more games along with Hakim Zaych. Yeah, just want to mention, we were... Yeah, there were a lot of there'll be a lot of debuts for Chelsea in this this season with all the new signings. But what a debut for Chilwell! A goal on debut, an assist, a clean sheet, everything you could ask for. Yep, I agree with you. I agree with you there. And uh, moving on, the pain to the n- next matchup, and I think it was literally a, a one for the ages actually because I told you let's watch out for Leeds against City, and more than Leeds against City, the build up and 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 you know all the talking points for Bielsa versus Guardiola and Guardiola. Actually respects Bielsa a lot, has learned a lot from Bielsa himself. So it's literally like, for want of a better word, the master and 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 you know, person that's literally learned a lot from him. So what did you think of that match? For the first 20 minutes, I would say that Manchester City had control over the game. They had the possession, they scored in the first 20 minutes. They were looking like it would be an easy match for Manchester City. But it turned out everything except that. And in the second half especially, it was going from one goal post to the other, constantly counter-attacking. Both the teams were breaking and just with the sheer pace that they have, attacking the opponent's goal. And it was very thrilling to watch as a neutral. I'm not sure Manchester City fans would be happy with a 1-1 coming out of it. Absolutely. I think it's not often that, first of all, you call Guardiola the disciple. And uh, he actually got schooled because at the end of the day, for Bielsa to take a lead side from the championship and actually come up here, play the style of football that they played and were good value. Other than the first 15-20 minutes where one thought that City were going to dominate and run away with it, to actually get his team to come back, stick with the tactics. And I think it was Rodrigo that, 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 that came on and scored. They they don't stop. So Leeds are going to be a really fun attacking side to watch this year. And it's it's amazing to see Bielsa doing so well. And I'm so happy for him right now because it it, it is going to be really exciting watching Leeds play all the big guns and, and see how they come off. And remember, they've already played the top two. They played Liverpool. They, they ran them ragged. It was very close, 4-3. And now they played City. And it's 1-1. So I give both points to actual, actually Bielsa because... Despite the fact that they lost to Liverpool, the uh, the show that they put on was nothing short of amazing for me. The defensive side, things didn't start off that well for them. 
but i think that is also coming along quite well they've been, they've shown that they can control games and match the best in the league right now let's move on now we've spoken about aston villa now chirag aston villa is one of only two sides that has a 100% win record right now the second one being everton everton four matches four wins and they're sitting pretty on the top of the table the good news is that a team from mercy side is top of the league the bad news is it's not liverpool and i think nobody expected that so it it's something that again credit to ancelotti because he's got the players that he needed in he's got three players um, who are used to playing dukure is is a you know well known premier league player he's got in allen from napoli who knows his style who follows ancelotti and he's got in rodriguez who again is very well versed with ancelotti's style of play he's actually got in all these three players that literally control the park uh, control the middle of the middle of the park rodriguez again had a very strong game i think he had a couple of assists and a goal uh, or was it two goals and an assist my bad uh, but really really looking good and good value because everton all of a sudden just playing some good football and being consistent even again calvert lewin looks the part all of a sudden you think that he's going to score every weekend so all credit to the professor over there i think yeah calvert lewin is probably the biggest ben- beneficiary of what ancelotti is doing with the midfield because he's he's there in the right positions but that's all he needs to do he needs to just be there in the right places and he's getting balls to tap into the goal and scoring loads of goals he's doing his job and he's doing it well so yeah but all credit to i think the i think ancelotti and the midfield that he's built is is paying off right now for everton and imagine rodriguez was literally warming the bed uh, the bench at madrid yeah hopefully bale can <laughs> can can repeat this have the same kind of success that that rodriguez has had or that has already rodriguez has already enjoyed at everton well that that'll be something to watch if he can but from the attacking side i mean see chirag we've seen almost four goals on an average per game in the 38 matches that have happened so far and some of them are really down to poor defending and goalkeeper errors what is happening at the back that these people are just struggling to defend or just struggling to clear the lines there are errors from everyone i mean van dyke robertson adrian edison we saw pickford make an error this weekend also so goalkeepers are not having an easy time right now well first of all thanks for naming the first three people to make mistakes as liverpool uh, uh it's liverpool just team. so rare right so i mean it sticks out all the more uh but to answer your question actually it, it's surprising for me because adrian's made a mistake van dijk never makes mistakes he has done that robertson very rarely maguire lindelof and company don't really know what they're doing so i think that's just a week on week affair now uh, pickford again atrocious edison made a mistake again very unlikely from him um i think pickford really needs to to up his game otherwise he may go exactly where kepa seems to be going and that is back home uh, although he he lives in england i don't he's he's going to really risk losing his number one um jersey for england the way the way pickford's going but uh, no real excuses i don't understand what's happening from a from a defensive point of view the really i think everybody needs to pick their game up and um, especially now the, i i think actually that they're not going to view the 
the penalty rule like they have been viewing in the past that that's actually changed a little bit so hopefully the defensive lines of team really need to be a lot stronger than they are because we've seen far too many goals and the problem is not the goals some of the goals have been fantastic but to see the kind of errors we've seen from defenses across the league is nothing short of appalling just to see the kind of struggle and top teams at that too not just uh, some of the lower or middle of the table leagues it's just it's just all across so it's kind of sur- surprising and these are names that you know have done well even maguire we say that he's not he doesn't know what he's doing but last year at the start of last year before the pandemic he was he was the saving grace for manchester united manchester united finished last season as the third best defense of the season in terms of goals conceded so it's not i don't know what has happened suddenly but suddenly everyone can't get weaker defensively so it's maybe just a phase uh, who knows let i i don't know let's see we'll have to wait and watch on that one let's move Absolutely. on to chirag other troubling issues especially for liverpool I think covid is coming to attack liverpool is it mane getting tested positive for corona shakiri has tested positive when he reached uh, for his uh, international duty there is a international break players will be going and then coming back so this this is really care that the premier league will have to deal with absolutely and a big worry for liverpool because it's first it was thiago then it's mane now it's shakiri uh, one only hopes that everyone else uh, no matter which team they're in can actually come back safe and sound from international duty because we don't want people uh, getting covid and and having to sit out matches and and more than sitting out matches it is also a big health concern for everyone involved so uh, i definitely wish the players well and hopefully um, things will start to change e- even i i mean uh, napoli got held back because i think two of their players tested positive and the authorities in that region did not let them uh, actually go and uh, uh, play in juventus and juventus actually by by the fact by that they just showed up 1-3-0 i believe because uh, napoli didn't reach their ground i mean it's going to be interesting how they deal with it plus on the other hand you have uh, ben chilwell tammy abraham and jaden sancho who were set to miss their game against wales because they broke protocol and they had a party there well happy birthday to tammy <laughs> <laughs> i think so yeah uh, yeah the young guys but a little bit irresponsible for the kind of position they are in absolutely i agree i i think these kind of things can definitely be avoided and uh, they're actually lucky to get away with it in terms of uh, i believe uh, the police are not going to you know pursue this matter any further but uh, uh, certainly set out the first match the first international match uh, let's see let's hope everyone stays safe and fit and we don't have interruptions to the league based on this so we don't have anyone suffering majorly for this let's move on chirag it was deadline day yesterday it's time for transfer talk oh some interesting transfers some desperate transfers <laughs> <laughs> i think who i know who you are referring to there why don't you start because i can definitely go and talk about it for a while <laughs> let's start with i mean we'll cover some of the main transfers that we think have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of significance going forward let's start with the most talked about team in the transfer market manchester united they get a couple of players in i think they get uh, amar diali who's going to come in from atlanta but he'll come in january 
Chris Smalling has left uh, for Roma permanently. And they get in two players. Edison Cavani comes in. He's a free agent. He was a free agent since last three months, I think. Last couple of months at least. And he finally, on deadline day, Manchester United have managed to get his signature. And Alex Telles comes in from Porto. Chirag, what do you think about those transfers? Well, first of all, the good news is United did business. The bad news is, it wasn't the kind of business that's actually needed. And here's why. First of all, we have United with a centre-back pairing that really can't seem to defend to save their life. What do they do? They have Chris Smalling, who had a very, very good season at Roma last last year round. And they say, hey, let's, let's let him train by himself or with the under-23s. And when Roma give us an offer that we like, we'll sell him. He's probably the best centre-back right now. You should have convinced him to stay and, and, and let him be part of all these plans. Bad, bad business. Then they, they get a teenager who, by the way, not really a proven track record at, Lan- at Atlanta. I don't believe he's played more than a couple of matches, actually. And uh, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong over there. But, and he's not even someone they can depend on right now. They're going to get him three months later. Bad business. Alex Tellers. Less than a year on the contract, on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Why don't we shell out some money so that we can get him now, even though we have Luke Shaw? Let's just hope he turns out to be better than Luke Shaw because if he's warming the bench, again, that's bad business. And the most shocking transfer of all, I love Edison Cavani. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great striker, but he's past his prime. And it's not like they wanted him anyway. He's the literally the replacement for Sancho. Or a poor man, Sancho. That's what they were, were gunning for. Uh, unfortunately, it sounds bad, but that's that's the truth. So they say, hey, let's pay 200,000 quid a week for a 33-year-old and let's see what he can do. That's just That just reeks of desperation. And I think that that's the same sentiment that a lot of journalists or across the globe have have a similar kind of sentiment. So I'm not really sure how this is going to pan out for Manchester United. It remains to be seen. Uh, really, people should just knock on the doors of uh, Edward Wood and ask him what he's thinking because there's a rumor. Rumor has it that, that Ollie's on his way out because someone's picked up the phone to Pochettino. Hey, you need to give the give a guy, a good team and and actually have some decent business. You know Sancho is going to cost a lot. Either say you'll pay pay for him and have him have him in the team during preseason or just shut that rumor that there was just no sense of responsibility from the United board, from Ed Woodward and no sense of direction at all. So, you know, I'm not saying that Oli is the right person or the wrong person to, to take United forward. I'm saying give the guy a team or the players that he wants. Because Pochettino, as far as I'm concerned, again, great coach. But if he comes in, I don't see United's problems going away because they're going to have the same issues. These are the same issues. They're not going to have the same issues. These are the same issues they've been having over the last few years. I mean, I sent you a a picture of a cycle that United have been in that was sent to me by my cousin. And he's like, yeah, this is what has been happening. It's like you hire a new manager, you make three or four signings right away. You get Champions League football and then you fail to make any more reinforcements for the next season. You perform badly, you fire the manager, you hire a new manager and the cycle continues. So are they just looking like it's, that's what's going to happen once more? Well, a quick knock on the Glazers' door and hopefully someone will fire Edward Wood instead of firing the manager. Uh, yeah, all one can do is hope, I guess. <laughs> 
let's move on to arsenal then arsenal also deadline day deal for them thomas party comes in is it's deadline day is one of the most expensive deals that that has happened certainly for arsenal who were not used to spending so much money and they they made a late bid for him but i guess he was in the works all along i mean there was there were rumors and they have mentioned even now that he was first choice and he's come in so that's a good thing and i think it'll be really good for the that midfield i think he's he's a good player and under playing under diego simeone i think he's a hardened player as well so you don't need to worry about work rates and physicality with him i think uh, they have sent out a couple of players now arsenal on loan uh, guendozi goes out to hertha berlin and lucas torreira actually goes to atletico well uh, i agree with you i think that uh, party will be good for arsenal they've uh, sent out two players on loan and uh, also you know apparently party's price was just too much so they thought let's let's fire gunasaurus who's been our mascot for about 27 years because that's going to do us uh, that we can use that money towards the party deal because apparently it's one in one out and uh, i think that's that's just appalling from arsenal that's that's not a very good piece of uh, news out of the arsenal camp and i think uh, mesodosil has actually offered to to pay uh, gunasaurus's salary for the duration that mesut ozil remains part of the arsenal camp so that uh, he doesn't get fired and he can actually stay on at arsenal as the mascot so that remains to be seen uh, i was just going to ask before you said he could stay on as the mascot who as in who wouldn't get fired ozil or the mascot anyway let's yeah let's move yeah, on yeah everton top of the table but still making reinforcements they've got we spoke about pickford and they've got a backup goalkeeper not really backup he might compete for the first goalkeeper spot with uh, pickford robin olsen is in he comes in from roma they got ben godfrey from norwich on a five year deal and they've lent out a couple of players theo walcott is going to southampton on loan and moise keen is going to psg i think uh, they they're doing some smart business i think after already made three signings early on this is this is going to really shore them up well a couple of things first of all ancelotti knows what he's doing he had made it very public i think that he was out for a center back and there was no hiding the fact that they're probably going to look up for a look out for a backup keeper or competition for pickford as well uh, the difference here is he knows what he wants to do in the market and he's also backed by the by the board or by the owners so i think good business all around walker they have a, quite a few midfield players so walker definitely could be perceived as surplus to requirements at now uh, at the moment uh, on the blue side of mercy side moise kane has never really made the impression that one hoped for when he joined everton so again might as well ship him out on loan whether he, good luck to him at P, at psg is a young striker i think he can do really well and uh, coming to the actual business that they did i think again two shoot signings because robin olsen definitely pretty decent keeper from roma and and i think actually should give pickford good competition so if pickford continues to make mistakes at the rate that he's going then uh, you could actually see robin olsen in goal for everton and uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see how ben godfrey you know goes on to uh, work with either either keen or uh, uh, yuri mina 
in the uh, as a center back pairing so it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, moving on to the to to a couple of other transfers i think again uh, leeds have made another shoot shoot transfer by getting rafina from rennes yeah i think it should be interesting for them i mean leeds do need a little bit i mean they've been doing well but they do need a little bit more reinforcement and to con- continue to keep competing with the top sides they'll need more than what they have so anyone they can get is obviously an addition but rafinha is a good buy i think for particularly for leeds i think it'll match their team style of from what we've seen over the last 3 4 matches i think it'll match their style quite he's matched the style quite a bit and fit in straight away so yeah that that seems to be a smart move also absolutely let's move on to chelsea now chelsea is uh, yeah they they're done buying players i think they're now loaning them out so bukayoko bukayoko sorry i don't i'm not really Bakayoko. sure about i'm not really sure about how to pronounce that name but yeah he goes on loan to napoli but the surprising one for me was loftus cheek uh, obviously they have a star studded midfield now but uh, loftus cheek I, i i think a couple of years back maybe was considered chelsea's next big thing but he goes now to fulham he goes on loan to fulham so which which is really good for fulham actually absolutely the pain don't worry about pronunciations i really can't say as as a pukweta even as even if you give me you know five chances to say that it's just a name i have trouble with no matter what so let's let's not go too much into pronunciations people hopefully will forgive us for that uh, bakayoko never honestly settled in too much at chelsea even though he was uh, you know pen uh, known to do big things and and loftus cheek actually you're right he actually Uh, seems to be someone that can rebuild his career now because he suffered injuries at chelsea and uh, actually at i mean a couple of years back or, or last year was it um, i think a couple of years back looked good for the for, for the england jersey so hopefully he can rebuild his career right now from uh, uh, at fulham and fulham like you said uh, it's it's a very very shoot signing a very good signing from their point of view they've also got yokim anderson on loan from leon who is a center back and uh, uh, you know coming to your point in terms of what uh, uh, tony khan the owner had to say i think well they've gotten some people at least i think there was a really strange tweet that we discussed last week also but yeah at least they've got in a center back which he said he wanted to get so they have a center back they have loftus cheek which will strengthen the midfield i think they have some potential to do better than what they've been doing so far so let's talk about spurs for a minute shall we the closet mourinho fan in you needs to come out they they've made another <laughs> signing a deadline day signing carlos vinicius comes in from portugal so yeah but they've they've been spending so they've got in good four or five transfers this uh, transfer window if i'm yes, counting correctly I, i think they've got in hoiberg they've got in doherty they've got in a uh, hart on a free they've got in bale they've got in regulo and they've got in carlos vinicius so six transfers what happened to not spending well that was only for for pochettino poor pochettino i mean uh, uh, daniel levy clearly didn't want to splash the cash at that point in time giving excuses that the stadium was coming up and things like that while that may have been valid we're in the middle of a coronavirus crisis a global pandemic and hey let's go and spend on six six so uh, transfers and and uh, don't get me wrong i think it's been shoot business and very good business on on behalf of spurs and mourinho so hopefully you know mourinho always has a strong uh, uh, first full season at a club 
and i would count this as his first full season because he joined midway last year and uh, now uh, he's been backed up by daniel levy so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see because uh, like i like i said earlier on in in the show they've got bale song and kane and that's just a strike force to be you know really reckoned with a strike force to be feared they've got lucas mora they've got delhi ali still part of the fold i don't believe he's going anywhere so as long as he actually uh, shows mourinho he can still is willing to work hard maybe he can fight his way back into the team uh, they're looking good regino did really really well for sevilla last year and uh, i think that uh, all in all really a lot of positives because uh, they've even got in don't forget i think after mourinho came in they've even got in bergwin so they've got in a lot of transfers uh, in the mourinho era for, for so to say of spurs so um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things work now but i am definitely whether you call me a closet mourinho fan or not i am really really actually excited i am actually Uh, looking forward to them being in the top 4 and i was actually watching uh, an uh, harry redknapp's interview and uh, he actually or uh, and he actually said look oh, they're outside contenders for the title and i think that's pushing it by, by by far but i think based on their current squad i do agree that they're definitely top 4 contenders i i think united are out of it if you ask me today who the top 4 are going to be uh, i don't know whether liverpool or city are going to end up in one and two in terms of what the order is but one and two for city and liverpool and again i don't know what the order is but three and four is going to be chelsea and spurs okay interesting prediction there uh, and, and i'm calling it i'm i'm calling it right <laughs> now very early on in the season so top 2 is liverpool and manchester city and Three and four is Chelsea and Tottenham in whatever order. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. we'll remember this conversation. Let's, but yeah, let's let's see how what happens. And uh, yeah, I think that's it from us uh, for transfers. That's that's more or less what we had wanted to cover in this. Anything else, Chirag? You want to add on to that? Nothing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I think it's been an exciting deadline day and an exciting last one week. Literally. with everything going topsy turvy so we'll take your leave now and we'll sign off next week remembers the international break so we'll see you on the other side of the international break cheers cheers take care